this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson here with you, flying solo today as Ben is off on vacation with his family. He's up in Ohio. In fact, I got a picture from him earlier today. He uh, he passed the Bengals Stadium, and, and in the text he sent to me, he said, this is the stadium where I won $125 because that was the payout of our shared fantasy league that uh, Joe Burrow got him a win in. <laughs> but Ben is off enjoying himself. It's just me with you today, and then Ben will be back uh, on Friday. But uh, we've got some NFL news today on this episode. We've also got five RB3s that have a chance to be RB1s in 2022. That one's going to be fun because uh, obviously in fantasy, you want to get those guys that have a chance to break out or to uh, obviously finish a lot higher than their current ADP in draft season. And I've targeted, done a little bit of research on some guys that I think could do that. So we've got five RB3s that could be RB1s next year. But before we get into all that, we got some NFL news for you. Uh, starting off, David Njoku, the, the freak, the prototype himself that has not translated into actual fantasy production. Got himself a four-year, fifty-six and a half million dollar deal. Uh, it's really, it's really a two-year deal with the way the kind of uh, guarantees are spread out. But fun fact of the day: Mark Andrews last year, or was it two years ago, signed a four-year, fifty-six million dollar deal. So uh, David and Joku is playing on the exact same deal as Mark Andrews right now, which is it's very, it's very bizarre considering they uh, the. Browns have not really committed to David Njoku up until right now, which is, I guess, a sign of new wins in the building. Let's just say some some faces have changed in the Cleveland Browns building the past few years, and I guess that means David Njoku gets himself a top-five tight end deal in the NFL, which is just wild. But uh, speaking of Deshaun Watson, he it was reported that he's facing now a 23rd civic lawsuit like the football part aside this is super shady like super ugh. i i see a lot of people in fantasy drafts just not willing to take him in their drafts you know based on his character and i totally get it uh you know I, in our um in our mock draft episode last week i took him at the 110 Obviously, you know, it was it was a dynasty league, so you take him there just on the talent, but I totally get how it feels icky drafting him in your fantasy drafts. You know, if you were to have a run for the most despicable person in the NFL, Deshaun Watson would get some votes right now, which is not what you want from your franchise quarterback. Obviously, the Browns paid him in a way that he would potentially avoid uh, suspension, or at least when he is suspended, that he would avoid losing money. Super shady stuff. Um, I can totally see how his popularity rating has just plummeted now that he's the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback. But yeah, 
23rd lawsuit. I don't necessarily know what it means. I don't know if it means he gets suspended. Um, I don't think anybody really knows how that's all going to shake out. It honestly feels, I would not be surprised if this is the case. It feels like the NFL may just suspend him in 2023 when it would actually hurt his pocket. I, I can totally see the NFL and Roger Goodell being petty where, you know, they see his contract the way it's set up where if they would suspend him for 2022, he wouldn't lose much. Uh, they could just as easily say, okay, fine, we'll suspend you for 2023 and maybe make it even a more severe suspension. I don't know. Uh, and and I don't know you know, what the outlook of this 23rd lawsuit looks like, but he he faces another uh, person stepping forward in, in a civic lawsuit. So that's not great. Um, Jerry Judy had all his charges dropped over the weekend. Super predictable. I mean... It, it seemed like there was not much that was going to come out of that after all the facts came out. So I think that's as expected. And then uh, things will carry on like normal for Jerry Judy's fantasy outlook. Obviously, I'm the uh, Cortland Sutton side of this equation going forward. And Ben is more of the Jerry Judy truther. You can take your pick. Uh, Sutton, Judy, both have a chance to be fantastic for fantasy football. And I don't think that changes um, with anything that happened, obviously, now that his charges have been dropped. So that's some of the uh, news that's happened over the weekend relating to fantasy football. Let's hop into five RB3s that could be RB1s in 2022. So I picked all these guys using fantasy pros rankings or ADP, if you will. Uh, they tend to be pretty pretty safe for the most part and pretty consensus-based rankings. So these are pretty much consensus RB3s for the most part. And uh, if you're wondering what an RB3, what an RB2, what an RB1 is, the way I look at RB1s, RB2s, and RB3s, the RB1s are 1 through 12. The RB2s are twelve or 13 through uh, what is it, 24, and then the RB3s are 25 through, what is it, 36, something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. So these are guys that are ranked between RB25 and RB36 on Fantasy Pros, and the first guy that we're going to hop into is A.J. Dillon, who's currently the RB26 on Fantasy Pros right now. Uh, I think it's some of these a little bit more risks than others. And um, Dylan, Dylan's really interesting. He could absolutely blow up. Like you, you can see it with your eyeballs. He looks elite. And when he plays and when he gets 15 plus carries, he looks awesome. And he's in an offense that should be, you know, maybe not as good as it was last year, but still should be a very good NFL offense with a great quarterback coming off of two MVPs. So, you can see how, just with the eye test, A.J. Dillon looks like what you want a fantasy RB1 to look like. Problem is, Aaron Jones is also in Green Bay, and that has prevented A.J. Dillon from really taking a step forward and taking a stranglehold on that backfield. But I do see a path for A.J. Dillon to take a step forward and potentially, potentially, there's a, there's a chance Maybe not a high one with A.J. Dillon, but there's a chance he could be an RB1, one of those 1 through 12 guys. 
Small chance, but a chance nonetheless. Here's how it could happen. He could take over first and second downs in Green Bay next year. Obviously, so if you if you go just dive into his his game logs, AJ Dillon still got some targets last year. Um, I don't think that Aaron Jones getting a bunch of targets means AJ Dillon does not get targets. Um <clears throat> He also, in games where he got 50% or more of snaps, he averaged 13.1 fantasy points per game. He was RB 17 weeks, 11 through 18 last year. So down the stretch, started to get more touches, and he was efficient on those touches. He averaged four and a, four and a half a carry for his career. Problem is, with Dylan, he just doesn't get that workload. He's only had 15-plus carries six times. But in those games, when he gets 15-plus carries, he averages 15.6 fantasy points per game and half point. So, you know, you're wondering, okay, how? where's the pathway to him getting those carries? I could see Aaron Jones taking on more of a passing work uh, workload in that offense. I could see him being a slot wide receiver. I could see him, um, you know, still getting some rushing work, maybe 150-ish carries. Uh, and then A.J. Dillon gets the rest. If that's the case, you know, A.J. Dillon had 189 rushes last year. He had more rushes than Aaron Jones did. If Aaron Jones just dials back the rushing volume a little bit and increases his passing volume a little bit, you know, I could totally see A.J. Dillon take that step forward, taking goal line. You know, that offense will still score. There will be the opportunity for him to score touchdowns. Uh, there's 220 plus vacated targets in that offense, I could totally see a possibility where Aaron Jones gets 90 to 100 targets, where Dylan maybe only gets, you know, 30, um, but he gets that that first and second down workload and goal line. And that offense, you know, if he were to score requisite touchdowns, if he gets 8 to 12 touchdowns, if he gets, you know, 200 carries and at his efficiency – you know, there's a possibility that he could sneak in as a low-end RB1. I would not bet on it because I'm, I'm not fully convinced that it could happen, but there's a chance that it could happen. And he's currently going at RB26 on Fantasy Pros. You know, there's guys in that range that I don't think, like, there's zero chance. There's no chance. And A.J. Dillon has a chance. And so... You know, taking him at that RB26, I'd be fine with him, honestly, as my RB2. Potentially could be volatile, but there, there's a there's a pathway for him to end up as a low-end RB1. Next guy on here is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I hear you groaning. I know. I don't love it either. He's the RB29 on uh, Fantasy Pro's rankings right now. And listen, I get it. Clyde Edwards Lair is not sexy, and I think everybody's out on him, myself probably included, which means that I'm not projecting him as an RB1. But I won't deny that there is a chance that it could happen. Maybe it's only 5%, <laughs> but there's a chance. And so, you know, somebody will take a flyer on him in drafts, and if he explodes, they're going to say, I told you so. Cordero Patterson, we've got him on the list, but, you know, last year he was nothing and finished as an RB1. Sometimes that there's just a path to volume, and that means fantasy production. 
And with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think that there's a path to volume. We don't know for sure if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the starting running back, but we also don't really know anything, honestly, about this offense. We know the offense is good. We know the offense has a great quarterback and a great coach, and those two things mean it will be a top 10 at worst NFL offense. I think those that say it won't happen are nuts. Like They're going to be a top 10 offense. They're going to be a great offense. With fantasy, you're just trying to hit on the guys that will hit, and we don't really know who's going to hit. We don't know which of the receivers will hit. It's kind of a crapshoot. We also are not really sure Clyde Edwards, a layer, is the main guy, but there's a potential that he just takes a stranglehold of the rushing work. There's also 219 vacated targets in Kansas City's offense. Byron Pringle's gone. He had 60 of them, and uh, Tyreek Hill had dang near 1,000. <laughs> he, he had a billion targets last year. Results in nearly 220 vacated targets. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire came out of college profiling as a passing, pass-catching running back. He, he had that skill coming into the NFL. It hasn't translated as consistently as we would want, especially not last year. But his rookie year, he still gave you, I think it was 35 catches, which is serviceable. We wanted more from him. We wanted that 50-catch range for him. But he's still, he's still a talented pass catcher. He had a 10% college target share. That was his calling card, was pass catching. That's why he went in the first round, was because he was going to be the satellite back for Patrick Mahomes. Hasn't quite worked out like that so far, but with all these targets gone, there's a potential that CEH could soak up more targets than we've seen in the past. It's, it's not really a sticky stat, but it just kind of seems to be a through line uh, that in offenses that have a ton of vacated targets, they just tend to go to running backs. It's it's one of those things that just, it it doesn't really feel right. When you bring in all these receivers, you pay them, it, it just, it seems like running backs soak up more targets when there's a bunch of them vacated. That's why I'm in on Aaron Jones. And I can see why somebody might be in on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm not saying he's a great player, uh, but he's the presumptive starter in a top 10 offense. Uh, he averaged 13.8 fantasy points a game in 2020. There's a chance he just takes hold of that backfield and that turns into valuable fantasy points. You know, if he stays healthy, you know, last year he had that gallbladder uh, going into the season. He lost 50 pounds prior to the season. He wasn't himself. He didn't look himself. If he is 2020 Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that'd be great. Obviously, he wasn't an RB1 in 2020, but he was a very solid RB2. And uh, he didn't even score that many touchdowns. I think he only had, what is it, five touchdowns his rookie year and six touchdowns last year. He's he's not been a guy that scores 10 touchdowns, but let's say he does. Let's say he's a little bit more efficient on goal line. He gets 40 catches and, you know, 180 rushes. If he gets touchdowns, there's a possibility. Um, I'm not necessarily going to bet my life on it and bet my fantasy season on it. But at his current ADP, he's a guy that could be really, really interesting for fantasy football, mostly because of that offense, mostly because of the question marks surrounding you know, where it's going to come from in that offense going forward. Next guy on here is Kareem Hunt, who is currently the RB30 in uh, Fantasy Pro's rankings. 
you know, Kareem Hunt seems like the safest bet of all these guys, to be totally honest with you. Uh, he was, before his injury last year, he was the RB8. Uh, he averaged 15 and a half fantasy points a game. But this was also happening while Nick Chubb was the RB14. Like, it's not just that Kareem Hunt was there and and Nick Chubb died. Like, Nick Chubb was still producing for fantasy. It's a very, you know, it's, we're not 100% sure what that offense looks like. Obviously, Deshaun Watson could be suspended. He could start the whole year. If he starts the whole year, the offense takes a step forward, theoretically. Um, but you don't necessarily expect that all that rushing volume just goes away. You know, I think that the rushing volume decreases a little bit and the passing volume increases a little bit, but not not a drastic change. Um, and I and Kareem Hunt is the passing downs back in Cleveland. Um, if anybody's going to if anybody's going to lose by Deshaun Watson increasing the passing volume, I feel like it would be Nick Chubb who just has never gotten passing work. If that passing offense is better, scores more touchdowns, increases the overall offense, I feel like Kareem Hunt would benefit from that the most because, you know, Nick Chubb is still going to do what Nick Chubb's going to do, but Kareem Hunt could be a safer play week in and week out. He got last year, and this was with Baker Mayfield as the starter, which was not great, uh, but Kareem Hunt got four targets a game in the weeks he played at least 30% of snaps last year, which, hey, you'll take that, and even in 2020, he was better than that. He played the whole season, finished the RB10. It, it, Hunt produces when he plays. I found a stat that said that uh, Kareem Hunt has averaged at least 13 fantasy points a game every season he's been in the NFL. Which, like, if you're trying to find a guy that's going to produce, you want to find a guy that's already produced. And Kareem Hunt is a guy that produces when he plays. Like, he's a great running back. He just doesn't get three-down workload because Nick Chubb is also a great running back. Um, Kareem Hunt goes right now on Fantasy Pros as the RB30. Underdog ADP has him at RB32. He's going in the eighth round in your drafts. To me, that that almost feels like an auto pick in the eighth round. If he's your RB2, I'm okay with it. If you want to go hero running back, take one in the first round and then load up on tight end quarterback receivers in your other rounds between first and eighth round, you can take Kareem Hunt in the eighth round and be set, honestly, at running back and then just acquire some depth later, maybe get Damian Harris later. Um, Cordero Patterson goes later in drafts. You could get him. Kareem Hunt is a screaming value to me just because, you know, he's not young, so we're not projecting to him to have a fantastic future. He's in an offense that's a little bit in flux, so there's question marks about, you know, what's his true workload. There's some things that we don't know for sure about his situation, but we do know that in the past he's been incredibly productive, and the role is not likely to just vaporize and disappear. If anything, it could get a little bit better just because you would think that that offense going forward is going to pass a little bit more. Speaking of Cordero Patterson, he is RB31 on uh, Fantasy Pros rankings, and he was an RB1 last year. So obviously, you can see where there's a potential that he repeats. What did they add? Well, they got rid of Matt Ryan, which is, I think, a knock to Cordero Patterson's value 
and they added Drake London. That's that's about the only addition. They got Marcus Mariota. They got Desmond Ritter. So there's a couple different ways this could go. If Desmond Ritter is your starting quarterback, I would not be super confident in Cordero Patterson as an RB1. Honestly, even as an RB2, I think at RB31, that would be pretty pretty on point. Um, but if, if Marcus Mariota is the quarterback, I would be more inclined to lean in on Cordero Patterson, namely because... Marcus Mariota, I do not feel will run the ball as much as Desmond Ritter would. And he would check the ball down. As well as I think Mariota would just stabilize that offense a little bit more than Ritter would. You know, you got a rookie quarterback in uh, Desmond Ritter. Rookie quarterbacks just aren't all that. You know, Trevor Lawrence last year stunk. The The whole offense stunk. Atlanta's not much better than Jacksonville was last year. Justin Fields, great quarterback prospect, goes to Chicago and stinks. Zach Wilson, the same thing. Like These elite prospects are going to bad situations and not doing much. Why do we think Desmond Ritter would? And that would affect Cordell Patterson. Because you know Matt Ryan, all you want to knock on him, he's still a very solid NFL quarterback. And if we're honest, I think Matt Ryan kind of carried that team to their mediocre record without him I mean it's very possible they could go three and 14 and just stink but all that aside Cordero Patterson was elite as a pass catching quote-unquote running back last year and that's where I think his value comes from he was top 10 in receptions receiving yards fantasy points a touch and touchdowns amongst running backs last year and he was the RB8 from weeks 1 to 14 in that stretch, he averaged 15.8 points a game. All y'all know that that had him. You also know that he faded down the stretch and just killed you in the playoffs. I get that. And I think you bake it in. He's an older guy. Um, I think that early on, you can expect Cordero to be productive. And I think you can also bet on him to fade at the end of the year. You know, he's, he's 30, 31 years old. You just can't expect a guy, and he's also never had, he's never had a full three-down workload before, and he was thrust into his largest workload he's ever had last year, just out of necessity, and obviously he produced with it, but he's just, he's not, his body's not used to that, and he's not young, so he can't just absorb it and move on, like, he's going to feel all that workload over the course of a year, Um, but his value comes from pass catching, which it's, he was elite as a running back last year as a pass catcher. He had a 13% target share. It was top 10. Um, I do think that that continues just because the lack of added weapons means that, again, out of necessity, Cordero Patterson will get work. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I think, is the number one target in that, into- that offense, and Drake London is number two. But Drake London, to me, feels like an over-the-middle, a deep threat. Kyle Pitts also feels over the middle, a deep threat, who's going to rule those five-yard ins, those five-yard outs, those uh, you know short curls, who's going to rule those out routes? I think it's Cordero Patterson. I think he rules within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage as a pass catcher and essentially operates as their slot receiver while also getting rushing work. Um, it remains to be seen how much rushing work he gets. They added Tyler Algier in the draft, who very much profiles as a first and second down back, but uh, might not give you much in terms of pass catching. And I think Cordell just 
slots nicely in as their pass catcher, as a potential slot receiver. He might be more of a receiver than a running back, but as long as he carries that running back designation, he's going to be an elite pass catcher. So it's just a matter of how's work comes, how that offense does, who's the quarterback. I think if Desmond Ritter's the guy, you fade him a little bit. But uh, I'm more willing to say that there's a chance he could repeat as an RB1 if Marcus Mariota's the guy and if he continues to get that elite pass-catching workload that he got last year. That that could very well happen. And I think early on in the fantasy season, Cordell Patterson will once again surprise people uh, just because you weren't willing to buy him when he was elite last year. You're, you're looking at the fade at the end of the year saying that's the truth. I do think that's part of it, but I also think that at the beginning of the year, that was the truth as well. So Cordero Patterson, there's a chance. Maybe not an amazing chance. I would probably bet on it more than I would CEH to be an RB1. Uh, but Patterson, you're getting him at RB31. So you're getting him cheap. It's, it's Monopoly money. Uh, he's not going to cost much. You might get him in the ninth round. Um, that feels like a really good pick to me in redraft leagues. Next guy on here who goes a lot higher in Dynasty, but uh, we don't know a ton about him, and we've never seen him play in the NFL, so there's question marks for redraft. He's currently listed as the RB27 on Fantasy Pros. Uh, Travis Etienne Jr. coming off that Liz Frank injury. I get it. The Liz Frank is a little bit scary. Um, it's one of those nebulous, hand-wavy, kind of like the Achilles injury for running backs where what does it mean? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much it affects him, but it seems like he's had a really long recovery time. Doctors that I look at and trust, their opinions of players say that he should be a full go once the season starts. And he got the boost of James Robinson tearing his own Achilles. So at least for the beginning of the season, Travis Etienne is going to be their three down guy in that offense. Now, it might not be an elite offense, but you just look a couple years ago, James Robinson was an RB1 on elite volume in a terrible Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And I think that Travis Etienne could do that as well, but Travis Etienne, to me, profiles a lot more like Alvin Kamara than James Robinson did. And honestly, a lot more like anybody else since Alvin Kamara. He's got all, he checks all the boxes. He's everything you want in a running back prospect. He's got that first round draft capital. He's paired with his college quarterback, which... We've seen that pay dividends with uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. That connection translates to the NFL. But it's it's all the other measurables as well. It's his 80th percentile speed score, his 85th percentile BMI, his draft capital. He had a 12% target share in college. He is a running back that I want pieces of. I want him in redraft. I want him a lot in dynasty. He feels like a guy that's, the talent, you're just betting on it. You're just betting on he's really talented. He's in an opportunity where he could get enough workload for it to translate to fantasy football. I'm not saying Jacksonville is actually going to be a good offense, but I think that Travis Etienne will get enough touches that he will, uh, you know, it'll translate to fantasy football production. So those are five guys that are currently going as RB3s in fantasy drafts that I think have a chance, albeit potentially a small chance. Maybe Kareem Hunt has a higher chance than some of these other guys. But they've got a chance to be RB1s if things break right for them in 2022. Um, 
If you enjoy the episode, please share it with a friend. Uh, let them know about these RB3s that could potentially change the outlook of their fantasy season. Um, if you enjoyed it, you can follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. That's the, uh, that's the best place to engage with us. We're in the stories there. We're posting pretty regularly on Instagram, occasionally on Twitter as well, also at fantasybrothers underscore. But if you really enjoyed the episode and like what we're doing here, check us out on Patreon and partner with us there. That is the best place to get one-on-one access with myself, with Ben, when he's back from vacay, not partying it up. And, uh, you know, that that is that's the best place to get our rankings, which are not available anywhere else, to get our personal opinions on fantasy football, uh, to get AMAs uh, and access with us throughout the fantasy football season. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you Thursday, not Thursday, Friday, when Ben's back from vacation. And uh, we'll see you then. That's all for me. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.